Hi, this is The Rock of Recovery, and this is Angie Meadows. Glad to have you today. We're at the end of our Overcoming Torment book, our Rock of Recovery, Overcoming Torment. We're on Lesson 12, and we're going to talk about freedom today. Now, we've been talking about forgiveness. We've been talking about how not to take an offense, how an offense causes you to stumble, We've also have been talking about um, the tormented mind and a wounded spirit and how to overcome those things. So if you'd like, you can go back and listen to those lessons. You can also find them, uh, if you want to listen to them again, you can find them on my podcast, Rocker Recovery. If you want the PDF for your groups or for your classes, you can find it at enablersjourney.com. So today's lesson's on freedom. Now, how do we find freedom? And what kind of things are going to trap us and keep us from finding freedom? So I want to I make goals for my life. If I don't have a goal, then I don't have a direction as to where I'm going. So as I make a goal, then i got to make a plan. As, how am I going to get there? And so in order to do that, I want to set up disciplines in my life. And a lot of people don't like that word, disciplines. But if I don't discipline myself in little areas, I'm never going to make the bigger ones. I'm just, I'm just not going to get there. I'm not going to have the ability to tell myself no. So let me do the introduction here. True freedom is the power of self-determination to command your own internal world by intentionally directing all your speech and actions. Develop this maturity skill by starting small. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. That's Luke 16:10. So in the small things, we want to start with the small things. We want to start with just uh, organizing our day, deciding of what we want to accomplish for the day, making us a little to-do list. So discipline yourself in small areas of your life. Govern and manage these smaller things in life and greater things will be easier to command. The opposite is also very true. If you are dishonest in the little things, you will also be dishonest in greater things. So decide what you will and will not say, think, or do. Start with one area of your life and build on it. Now make a sovereign choice on how you will live. So there are areas that we're going to talk about today. The first one is the mind. The second one's the body. The third one's position. Fourth is time. Five is possessions. Six is work. And seven is emotions. So let's start with the mind. We want to delve deep into the power of concentration. Now, a lot of people can't take a thought and think it all the way through to the end. They get stuck somewhere in the middle. They um, obsess over one thought and can't let it go. So we want to be able to learn how to concentrate and concentrate on things that we need to be able to focus on. Like when I was homeschooling my son, we could spend five minutes on a math page and make 100% on it, or we could spend over an hour because he could be that distracted. He was about six maybe seven but the distractions were were great and his eyes were all over the place so when I taught him the word focus we're going to focus you're not taking your eyes off this page you're not lifting your head up you're not lifting your eyes up man he could he could 
he could win. He could get all the way to the end of that page, and then he had time to go and play. He had time to do other things. So we want to delve into this power of concentration. We want to teach ourselves to rein in our thoughts, to tell ourselves what we will and will not think. We want to learn that focus and guide our focus. So when your passive thoughts wonder, take authority and charge them to, to thoughts you want to think. We want to change them and change them and reshape them where we want to go. So when there is a difficult thing that you need to think about, think on them until you follow the thinking pattern all the way to the end. If there's no solution or resolution, then just let it go. Just detach from it. Brooding over traumatic memories or painful circumstances are of no help. Recognize any fretting and stop it. Psalms 37 has, uh, in verses 1 through 11, has three different commands that says, fret not, fret not, fret not. And you probably don't realize you're fretting, but fretting will lead to anxiety. It'll lead to a little frustration. And as you start recognizing, yeah, I'm, I'm really um, I'm stuck in this little thing. I'm trying to fix, manage, or control this other circumstance in my life. I may, may be fretting over dishes, just simple things that you'll be fretting over. That fretting is taking your energy. So the commands say to delight in Him and to abide in Him and to rejoice in Him. And as we do, as we delight in the Lord, as we give all things to Him, that delighting is... Uh, singing and trusting him and then we're not fretting and we have more energy to be able to um, apply to other areas of our life so if you have a tormenting thought you can think it a hundred times with no conclusion and so when it starts the next time and you've already thought that thing a hundred times then don't let it start you got about three to five seconds to cut it off and say nope not going there today I can't resolve that today so practice detaching from this thought and releasing it. And Colossians 3.2 says to set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. So the first area was our mind. We want to be able to take our mind and guide it where we want to go. The second area is our body. We want to rise each morning with a purpose to smile to wake up with a happy heart. When I taught four-year-olds in Sunday school, I would always say to them, who is in charge of your happy heart? And I taught them to say, I am, because I'm the only one that can change my mood. I'm the only one that has the power to give away my happiness, to give away my peace, my joy. And so I want to take that back. I want to be able to hold my joy, to hold my peace, and to purpose to smile. Now that's not being hypocritical if I don't feel like smiling. That's training myself not to let the, um, the deep things, the bad things, the things that I can't control uh, master my life. Instead, I'm in charge and I've decided today that I'm going to be happy. So I want to be in control of myself. I want to be in control of when I wake up and when I go to sleep. I want to keep a schedule. I want to allow for flexibility. I don't want anything legalistic. If I make my schedule out for the day and, and things happen and I need to go and take care of this or I need to go and run an errand for somebody else or somebody calls me on the spur of the moment and asks me for lunch, I want to be flexible enough to be able to do that and then move the things that were on the list today to tomorrow. So I don't want it to be rigid and legalistic, but I do want to have some sort of purpose and plan for the day so that at the end of the day I've accomplished something. So I want to discipline my eating habits. When I discipline my eating habits, then I can say no to myself in other areas. 
So I don't want to go back for seconds and I don't want to eat late at night. In your eating habits, you may have other disciplines that you would like to set up for yourself. Also want to follow the um, serving size on the back of the package. And I want to teach children to do this. If I don't teach children to govern their eating habits, to count how many fruits they get a day or how many vegetables they get a day, or to look on the back of that package and realize that, okay, half a package of cookies is not a serving. A serving is two cookies. A, a serving is 10 chips. You know, if I don't teach them how to do that, then they're going to be um, exaggerated in that area and struggle later on. So I want to make for the, myself general rules that will fit into my lifestyle. And your lifestyle may look different than mine, and that's fine. You know what it is that you need, and you know what areas you struggle with. And the areas you struggle with, those are the areas I want yourself, you, to establish rules for yourself. So physical activity is vital to a healthy body. If you aren't exercising, it's a marvelous way to detox your thoughts and calm your mind. So here's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beats the air, but I keep my body under subjection and I bring it to sub under subjection, but I keep my body and bring it under, unto subjection lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself be a castaway. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. So I don't want to be a castaway. I don't want to allow my flesh to rule me and tell me what to do. So now we've went through mind and body, and we're going to go to position. That's number three. Number three is position. Christianity is not rights, but righteousness. It is honor and not equality. It is more concerned about what one owes than what one is owed. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves in Romans 12:10. We are under authority at all times. Authority is a safety net of, a, of protection. We are under the law of the land, the government, the parents, the teachers, the employers, the ministers, the elders, the priests. Everyone must submit himself to be governed by governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God in Romans 13.1. So as you're teaching children, I want you to teach them uh, to come under authority. Um, they need to learn to obey as long as it's not illegal, immoral, or unethical. So they're going to have to learn what they will and will not do, what they will and will not put up with, what they will and will not accept, what they will and will not think, what they will and will not eat. <laughs> you know, they need to make these decisions so that when they get with peer pressure, you're not uh, vulnerable to being pushed around and making decisions that you would never normally make. So when we're in recovery, it's the same thing. We have to understand that we have maybe been under authority that has been ungodly, that has been unrighteous, that did not uh, do their duty towards us. They harmed us instead of protecting us. So then we may have learned to disregard all authority and not trust in authority. So what I want you to do is I want you to find safe authority, authority that cares about you, authority that um, wants to establish peace and um, wants to bring protection and safety to the community, and I want you to honor that. 
So when you have an employer, I want you to honor them, even if they're not honorable, even if they're uh, rude and immature, you can honor the position of their authority over you as your employer. Same thing with teachers, same thing with your parents. Now, sometimes parents say two things. They say do, and then they say don't. So you have to be able to discern what is it that they're teaching me that I need to follow in? What is it that they're teaching me that I need to disregard? It's, uh, it's uh, maybe selfish or out of a different type of motive. It's not out of my best interest. So that's where we have to develop those thinking skills, to think thoughts that are, that are good so that we're not tossed to and fro by the whims of others and we're not a people pleaser. So the fourth area that I want you to find freedom in is your time. If we are frustrated, frantic, and hassled, our time hasn't been ordered to the Lord. Worry is a fruitless time waster and robs us of the pleasure of singing and thanksgiving. So set aside a quiet time every day to meditate on the goodness of the Lord and allow Him to direct your path. Offering to God the first portion of our time consecrates our day for His glory. Learn to accept disappointments on the one hand and simultaneously accept joy on the other hand. So a lot of times we look at something uh, that's bad in our life and it literally shadows and clouds every other area of our life. And I want you to be able to take one thing that's not working in your life and set it in its position. So let me give you an example. I have one tooth that um, got infected and had nerve damage. It was very painful and I needed a root canal. Well, the root canal didn't take and I needed another surgery. But I have 14 teeth on top and I only have one that's bad. And so the one that was bad, we were able to do the surgery on, we were able to correct it. It, it doesn't have life in it now. It's dead, but nobody knows where it's at. And eventually, in another 10 years, it'll turn dark and I'll get it capped. And maybe in another 10 years, I'll maybe have to have it pulled and, and get an implant there. But I have 13 other good teeth <laughs> on top. I have 13 good teeth. So why would I pull all 14 teeth on top? Because I have one that's bad. And that's what we do in our life. We have maybe 14 areas and one area is is bad. It's having struggles. It's having problems. And we neglect the other 13 to where we lose it all. So I don't want you to lose all of the good in your life because of one thing that needs surgery, because of one thing that needs help. Instead, focus on it, do what you can, and then move on and enjoy and invest in the other 13 that are really good. So if you're unable to lift above your disappointments, then offer them up to God as your sacrifice today and just praise Him. Otherwise, your time will be robbed with fretfulness and fear. So we want to learn from the wisdom of Solomon. He says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to be build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to reframe from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep 
and a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace in Ecclesiastes 3.1. So we want to take everything. We want to divide it. We want to separate it. We want to decide when is it time for me to laugh? When is it time for me to cry? When is it time for me to mourn and grieve? And when is it time for me to dance? And we don't want the, the weeping or the mourning or the uh, tearing, rending the war to dominate our life. We want to be able to to uh, ha have experienced those things and yet to be able to experience the good, the building, the laughing, the dancing, the gathering together, the peace. We want that to be 90% of our life instead of just 10%. So now we're going to number five, which is possessions. Everything I possess is a gift from God. Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting sands, like shifting shadows. In James 1, 17, freely you have received, freely give, in Matthew 10, 8. So things are temporal and are to be held very loosely. We don't need to hoard. Stewardship is faithful character skill to help manage our possessions. So we want to manage our possessions. We want to keep what we need and pass on what we're not using. We want to be able to uh, organize our things and be able to declutter so that our things do not own us. If we become a hoarder, then our things own us and we don't have the capacity in our life to invest in relationships. Instead, our things mean more to us than our friends, than our family, than the things that God would have for us to to see. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal in 2 Corinthians 4.18. Everything that is God's is at our disposal. So do not store up treasures on earth. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew 6, 19-21 So I want to put my treasures in people, and in my loved ones, and in those that I might meet along the way. I want each person that I meet every day to know that they're loved, that they're cared for, that they're treasured. I want to invest in others because that's what's eternal and that's what I'll be able to take with me. So I want you to look at um, money and houses and property and things that maybe a child might accidentally break or destroy. I want you to look at those things as temporal and I want you to look at the child or the person in front of you as eternal. So if your teenager wrecked the car, your teenager's much more important than that car is. <laughs> so, and that uh, that does tend to happen. <laughs> we have one uh, one teenager that probably backed her car into something about five or six times before she figured out, you know, how long her car was. <laughs> so we just had to realize that okay, the child was more important, and finally we just left her with a few dings on her car. <laughs> so number six is work. Honorable work is work, whether it is sanitation worker or a heart surgeon. Whatever you do, 
work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. In Colossians 3.23, a sense of duty to care for children, elderly, and neighbors brings great joy when it is done with your whole heart of love. You can be changing diapers, cleaning bathrooms, doing dishes. Any act of service can be done for the Lord. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers, you did for me in Matthew 25:40, The Lord Jesus took a towel and he washed the dirty feet of the disciples like a servant and he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the feet of the disciples, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him in John 13:5, So there is no work that's beneath us. If it needs to be done, just do it. The greatest among you is one who serves. The greatest among you will be your servant in Matthew 23, 11. So I want you to turn around. I want you to do your work. And I want you to do it to your best of your ability. And then I want you to turn around and help others do their work with a joyful heart, with a pleasant heart. So one time uh, I was teaching my children to do their work with um, pleasantness and with happiness. And I had asked them to carry their their clothes up the stairs and put them in their drawers and so my son he stomped up he was probably seven he stomped up the steps he was taking those clothes up he was obeying but he was not doing it with a happy heart so when he got to the top I had him turn around and come back down and then he did it again but he was still huffing and puffing and so I said okay now let's do it again this time let's do it with a happy heart and a smile and he did and today he's uh, getting ready to be a father and he serves joyfully and happily but that had to be trained so if you've learned uh, to serve but to do it with a grumpy heart then I want you to retrain yourself I want you to talk to yourself and teach yourself to do your duties with a happy heart. So our seventh area that we want to talk about is emotions. Hmm. Okay, so we've talked about the mind, the body, the position, uh, and as Christians, to honor each other, to love each other, our time, our possessions, our work, and now we're going to talk about our emotions. We have to be good stewards of our emotions in order to carry freedom. So just as we take every thought captive, we must take every feeling captive to make it obedient unto Christ. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God in 2 Corinthians 10.5. So feelings have no intelligence nor intellect. They are like blind guides that lead us into a ditch. So resolve to do what is right. This is the decision of the will, not your emotions. So I can decide to do something and I may not feel like doing it let's uh, take for an example forgiveness the Lord tells me to forgive well I may not feel like it so I just do it anyway okay Lord your word says to forgive so I'm just going to do it and then I may find that I need to do it again and again and eventually my emotions will follow but I want to be able to purpose my will to do what's right um, and then my emotions follow so I don't always do um, feel it at first uh, I just expect that that's going to follow as I do it unto the Lord so I want to practice self-mastery over my emotions I want to feel them I want to observe them I want to learn from them I want to grow from them but I do not want to indulge them into a weak and moody disposition but the fruit of the Spirit is self-control in Galatians 5 23 so I want to make sure that I have self-control in all of these areas particularly in the area of my emotions 
So the exercise today is for you to make a list of your problems and their corresponding emotions. Choose one to focus on this week and take dominion. So when I first did this, when I first made a list of all the problems that were in my life, I was a, I was a baby Christian. It was like 30 years ago. I made a list, and it was two columns long, and it covered the whole page. <laughs> and I put a corresponding emotion with every one of them. And now I, look, I found that list not too long ago, and I looked back and thought, now... Every one of those problems have resolved themselves, but man, they were big back then, except for just a couple. And God has given me the grace to carry that and to deal with that throughout the last 30 years. And so I want you to know that as you bring your troubles and your problems to the Lord, He'll either take them away and help you resolve them, or He'll give you the grace to to carry them throughout your life um, and to learn from them and to grow. So the principle I want you to think here is faithfulness in the little things develops faithfulness in the bigger things. Faithfulness in the little things develops faithfulness in the big things. So that means that I get up in the morning, I make my bed. That means I uh, do my chores every week. I pick up my clothes every evening. I do my dishes every night. Um, I want to make sure that I have that kind of structure in my life so when other things fall apart, then I just get up and do the next thing. You know, open the curtains, I sweep the carpet, I bathe the dog, I take care of the children, I I go to work, uh, I clean the car out, I do the next thing so that I'm not just sitting there brooding over one thing that has happened today and let it ruin my whole day. So the application here is make a career out of volunteering to be discipled. Look for mentors. Pray for mentors. Listen carefully for instructions. Athletes and instrumentalists are the happiest students on the campus and they are the most disciplined. So athletes submit to their coaches. They obey the game rules. They submit to rigorous training. They work with the team. They submit to a schedule. And the Bible says in Proverbs 25, 28, he that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. So I want you to take this training and move it to every area of your life, whether it's learning how to have a work ethic, whether it's learning how to maintain sobriety, whatever it is, I want you to submit yourself to sponsors. I want you to give yourself some structure and some rules in your life. I want you to rigorously train yourself to get up, to be an adult, to do the right things, to make the right choices. I want you to work with a team in a community and submit to a schedule, a work schedule, um, the schedule of, of that you set for yourself so that you have some sort of stability in your life and something to fall back on when things get crazy. So in conclusion, internally controlling my own self is powerful recovery. This is true freedom. Freedom to tell myself what to do and have the ability to do it. This can only come through discipling and disciplining myself according to God's principles and not according to my fickle, feeble emotions. So Jesus felt emotions, so emotions aren't bad. So let's talk about that. He was angry at the money changers in the temple John 2, 14 and 15. He wept at the tomb of Lazarus. John eleven thirty five. He experienced anguish of soul and to the point of sweating great drops of blood at the Garden of Gethsemane before the crucifixion in Luke twenty two forty four, And he would have felt rejection, 
persecution and abandonment at the cross, not to mention the physical torture, but he set himself to do the will of the Father no matter what. Matthew 26, 36 through 46. So set yourself to do what's right. There's this other verse, and it says um, he set his face like flint. And a flint stone is the hardest stone that there is. You can strike two flint stones against each other and start a fire. So if you set your face like flint to be able to do what's right, then when the emotions come, that's not the dominant thing in your life. Instead, the dominant thing in your right is life is to do what's right. And doing what's right is going to help you navigate the emotional stuff, the emotional ups and downs and the roller coasters of life. So the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Psalms 18.2. So Father in heaven, we bless your name. We thank you for the opportunity to obey your will and not ours. So let us cast our emotions on the altar of sacrifice. Let them be brought under subjection to the word of God and grant us the self-control to bring every emotion into the obedience of Christ. And let us experience true freedom that we may enjoy a peaceful heart and the mind of Christ our Lord Jesus. Amen. And I want you just to know that um, you can do this. And if you've tried a hundred times and you can't, then what you got to do is pray for the grace of God. Because the grace of God is big enough to help me to learn to do self-control. And sometimes it's not until I have spent all of my energy trying to do something, trying to correct myself in an area, that I realize that it's bigger than me and that I can't do it. And I have to surrender that area to the Lord. And as I surrender, His grace comes in and His grace is sufficient in all situations. And this is The Rock of Recovery, and this is Angie Mills, and we're glad you were here today for the last lesson of Overcoming the Tormented Mind book, Lesson 12 on Freedom.